Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Thanks for joining us online for our Branch Christmas series. We're so glad that you've joined us and we've prayed that God would use this series in your life in a special way. If this is your first time joining us or if you join us every time, we'd love to hear from you. So don't forget to fill out your online connection card. You can find that at branchlife.church. Also on our website, you can find all kinds of information about what we're currently teaching on. And if you're ready to join us in person, we'd love to invite you. If you fill out your connection card for the first time, we have a gift for you, a Matthew journal that we will send out to you. Uh, Just don't forget to fill out that card. We're going to jump into this special series all about the different lights of Christmas, and we know God has a special message just for you. So thanks again for joining us, and enjoy this teaching. We want to travel together in a spirit of confession this morning. We want to invite those of you that know Jesus as your personal Savior to participate in this time of communion. And one of the things that God asks us to do in communion is to to have this be a time of self-examination, a time of remembrance, Jesus' death on the cross for us, and a time of proclamation where all of us together follow these steps, showing that Jesus died, that he spilt his blood, that his body was broken for us. If you're not in the right frame of mind, if you're not sure about taking communion, just, you can just observe in these moments or just spend some time in quiet reflection. You're invited to do all of those things. But I want to call us together to a time of confession. So will we together think in these terms? Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us begin this Christmas season with a spirit of confession. Together, we confess our sins. Together, we humble ourselves before Christ, the baby who was born to die. Pray these words in your heart with me this morning, Almighty God and Father. Before you, our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess. We confess the sin of ignoring the presence of the Spirit. We confess to falling short of your mark. We confess to failing to look for the return of our Savior. We confess to focusing on ourselves more often than we should. We confess to our blindness to those who are lonely, who are hungry, who are cold, who are poor, and who are sick. God, in these moments, will you search our hearts, O God? Will you see if there be any other wicked way? in me. I invite you into a personal time of private confession before the Lord.
God, in your great goodness, would you put away our offenses and cleanse us from our sins? God, would you, sit, would you bring to us and cover us with your righteousness? For the name of Jesus' sake, we all pray, amen. The Bible says if anyone takes communion in an unworthy manner, if he, he eats or drinks judgment on himself, as we examine ourselves, we now in this moment stand rightly before God, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen? Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And when God forgives us our sins, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's the reason for the Christmas season. Sinners, saved by grace, celebrating the light of the world that's come into darkness to solve our sin problem. When Jesus died on the cross, his body was broken and his blood was spilt for us. He gathered in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we learn that he gathered with the disciples in his upper room before he died. And he implemented this practice of communion. He said that we should participate in it as often as we do it for those reasons that we've mentioned. And then he took first the cup and he handed it out, or excuse me, he first took the bread and he handed it out to each of the disciples and he said that this bread was his body which would be broken and we know that Jesus would later go to the cross and his body would be broken. And then he pa passed out the cup in the same way and said that this represented his blood. Communion, these elements are of Jesus' body and blood that was broken for you and I so that we could have forgiveness of sins. When we eat this bread together, when we drink this cup, we examine ourselves, we remember his death, and we proclaim his crucifixion to the world. So I want to invite you to first take the cup. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, it says this. For I received from the Lord what also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. So go ahead and take the bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it. And then he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Then in the same way also he took the cup. And after supper saying, this is the cup, is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and drink the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah. 
says that the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When the mother had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared before him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For what she has conceived is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. excited to kick off this brand new series called Christmas Lights, and it is a, a series about light coming into dark places, and that's, that's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus continues to do, and so we sing it in the song, we read it in the scriptures, a weary world can rejoice when the light of the world enters into our brokenness, and in this Christmas season, we all know this, and this is absolutely true, our world needs a little bit more light. Our world needs a little bit more hope. Our world needs a little bit more joy, a little bit more guidance. Our joy, our, our, our world needs Jesus. And when you know the light of the world, when you know the light of Christmas, man, it, it, it enables you to see where you're going in dark times. And we all need that. And so during this Christmas lights series, we're going to look at the different lights of Christmas. A different light. On every Sunday service, we're going to also look at these Christmas lights at our special Christmas Eve candlelight service. And this will be an encouragement to you, whether you've known Jesus your entire life or whether you're investigating whether or not to believe and follow Jesus. This will be an encouragement to your friends, your neighbors, and your families. And, and you can spread the word by using these cards that are on your uh, chairs, handing them out or pushing forward. Uh, the invite on social media to allow people to know that this encouragement is here. A lot of us are traveling through hard, difficult, dark moments and dark days. And we can, in these moments, do what Jesus says. Come to him and he will give us rest, even in the busyness of this Christmas season. Now, the first light that we're going to be talking about today, I'm real excited to kind of unpack this in our moments that we have left together, is the light of the star. 
kind of the, the first big announcement of Jesus in the New Testament is when Matthew points to the star. So if you have your Bibles, let's travel to Matthew chapter 2. And again, if you're a guest with us, uh, we have a free gift for you, whether you're watching virtually the read broadcast or live or whether you're here in person. Uh, on the connection card, just let us know that you're a first-time guest and we will get you these Matthew journals and you can use these to follow along in our Matthew series. Next week we're going to be in Luke and the week after that we're going to be in John. Uh, so the journals won't come in too handy the next couple of weeks, but in January we're going to jump right back into our Matthew series and you can use those journals. And if you're never able to join us again, those are a gift from us to you and we hope that you will take them with you and enjoy them wherever your journey leads. As we dive into Matthew chapter 2, here's kind of a, a broad thought that we're going to see this morning. The starlight shines brightest in the darkest nights. Have you, have you ever been in a, a low light place at night where you could see the star in a spectacular fashion? A lot of us that are from kind of the northeast area, we are under what's called an umbrella of light pollution. We are not far away from artificial light at any time at night. So if you're in New York City, let's say, the, the city that never sleeps, and you go to look up at the stars, you're hardly going to be able to see anything. But if you go to the Grand Canyon, separated far from artificial light, and it's a clear night, and, and the darkness covers that light, you look up into the sky, and it is spectacular, the view of those stars. Stars are designed to shine brightest on the darkest nights. Now, there are what's called dark zones that are designated by stargazers. There's 150 of them all around our country, all around our world, excuse me. And some of the top 10 dark zones are spread around the United States. There's, there's the Grand Canyon, which I've already mentioned. But another dark zone, if you really want to see stars at night, go to Death Valley. I'm not sure if that sounds fun or not to you. I don't know if I want to go to Death Valley just to look at a couple of stars. It's called Death Valley for a reason, so I think I want to stay, stay away from Death Valley. But it's a dark zone. There's not a lot of artificial light there. Another place is uh, designated is in Maine. I'd love to go to Montana someday to go to Glacier National Park. That's a designated dark zone. Beautiful to look at the night sky there. But one of the top 10 places in our country to see the stars is in Pennsylvania. It's about 150 miles from Pottstown where we are today. And it is called, I wrote it down because I forgot, Cherry Springs State Park. And if you go to Cherry Springs State Park on a clear night, it's a designated dark zone. You can't take any artificial light with you. You can look up and see not just the stars, but at the right season, you can even see the northern lights from Pennsylvania, the Aurora Borealis. And it could be spectacular. We're going to meet today professional stargazers. These are, are individuals who made their living, who lived their lives investigating the stars. And, and just think about the beauty in that. How often do we stop and really think about starlight and its purpose and how God uses it to bless us in our lives? And, and the wise men who we meet in Matthew chapter 2 simply were professional stargazers. Never made it over to Pennsylvania's Cherry State Park, but man, did they have a view from their part of the world. And they got to see 
the most spectacular star that ever graced this planet. So I'm a little jealous, but let's look at the characters that we're going to meet in today's story as we learn from them. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, character number 1. Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Character numbers two and three. For we saw his star, character number four. And when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now we've been introduced to our four key characters in this moment. We have king number one, King Herod, the king of the Jewish people at that time. King Herod was not known as a benevolent, kind, wonderful king. If there was going to be an election, he would lose. He wasn't very popular. He wasn't very nice. He was very insecure. And in a few moments, we're going to see how troubled he was. Herod Herod was staking his territory and was propped up by the Roman government to oversee the Israelite nation and the Israelite people. So when character number two, the Magi, come walking up to King Herod and they say, where is the king of the Jews, character number three, you can understand that King Herod said to himself, I am the king of the Jews. What do you mean? There's going to be another king? And who do you think you wise men are? These wise men who had traveled a great distance had come following a star, so they say, that would announce the birth of the king of the Jews or the king of the world or the almighty on earth. Wise men back in this day, these aren't, aren't new characters. You see them in many different stories in the Bible. Astrologers, the people that would serve a king, that would make predictions, that would kind of help solve problems. In in the book of Daniel, Daniel was considered to be among other wise men that were appointed to serve the king. These wise men were coming from another kingdom or another region or another area where they served their leader somehow. So when you sing, we three kings from Orient are, it's not right. They're not kings. There probably wasn't just three of them. There was probably many kings. I've got some more bad news. The manger scene has nothing to do with the wise men. They came maybe two years after Jesus was born, after he had kind of moved into their rental apartment, after the mother-in-law had left, you know, and mom's fine, I finally got this, you can go home now. That's when the wise men came, and that's the star had led them on a great journey. They probably weren't Asian probably weren't from the Orient. They were probably Persian or Babylonian from Iraq or Iran, somewhere in that area. And they were wealthy and they were prominent and they were smart and wise and kings sought their counsel. And so these prominent stargazers or astrologers who served kings had seen somewhere in their studies the star, and the star is its own character in the story. This star was so spectacular, this star was so out of the ordinary that some would even say it was divine. That it caught the attention in in some way of those that make it their profession to search the skies. 
Was it an actual star? Was it a, was it a comet? Was it a meteorite? Was it a pillar of fire like the Israelites followed? We don't know. But it was a divine celestial light that shone in the night sky, possibly even in the day sky. And these, these wise men saw this star and tracked it, followed it from their location in the east towards the west. And it took them to Jesus. It took them to Jerusalem. And so in their search for a new king, they naturally stopped where kings would be, the capital of the country. And they visited Herod. What a, what a fascinating moment. Why would they do that? Why would they feel compelled to follow this particular star? Even if it was the most spectacular thing in the world, do you say, all right, gather the camels, get all your gear. We're going to need gold. We're going to need frankincense. We're going to need myrrh. We're going to travel for months on end, possibly years, until we find what this star is pointing us to. Why in the world would they do that? You see, these magi knew something. They were familiar with the Old Testament. And here's what the magi knew. The magi knew that a star would announce the true king. The Magi knew that a star would announce a true king. If you have your Bibles, go to Numbers chapter 24. Numbers chapter 24 in verse 17. We fall, we drop into a middle of a story about a character named Balaam in Numbers chapter 4. Now, who is Balaam? Balaam is a Magi. Balaam is an Old Testament astrologer. Balaam is a guy that's hired by kings to bless and curse people. He's hired to do his magical power things that these characters did. He is a precursor to these modern magi in Jesus' day. Balaam was hired by the king of Moab, an enemy of the Israelites, to curse the Israelites. Balaam is riding on his donkey to go curse the Israelites... But God drops an angel in the pathway of the donkey. The donkey can see the angel, but Balaam can't. So the donkey veers off. And it makes Balaam mad. My donkey's not going where I want it to go. Stupid donkey. And so the donkey starts going, and another, the angel moves. And the donkey freaks out, and the angel moves again. And, the don and finally, the, the donkey gets into a tight squeeze, and he actually pins Balaam's leg up against a wall or, or a building or something like that. And Balaam gets mad, and he hits the donkey. And the donkey turns around and says, what are you doing? Literally, the donkey turned around and said, what are you doing? Like, the donkey talks to Balaam. And Balaam answers the donkey. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's an incredible, he doesn't go, wait a minute, what are you doing? You don't talk, you're a donkey. He has a conversation back with a donkey, and he says, I'm mad at you. You're not going where I thought. And the donkey says, have I not been a good donkey all of these years? <laughs> Balaam's like, yes, you've been a good donkey. Obviously, there's a problem here, right? They're having a Shrek moment in this, in this time, right? And they're just, they just, no story is new. Someone got it somewhere, and the writers in Shrek were like, hey, there's a donkey donkey. Let's put that in the story. And then Jesus opens Balaam's eye, and he sees what the donkey sees. The angel. And instead of cursing Israel, Balaam blesses Israel. 
And he gives four pronouncements of blessing because he has seen the Almighty. In this passage, in 24, verse 17, we're in the fourth blessing. Three blessings, one not so much. And then in in verse 16, it says, well, let's just read it from the top, verse 15. And he took up his discourse and said, the oracle of Baal and the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open. He was open to be able to see the angel. The oracle of him who hears the words of God. So he's now a prophet of God. He's hearing the words of God. And he knows the knowledge of the Most High who sees a vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This is one of those prophecies that's fulfilled by the person of Jesus that simply says a star will announce a king. A scepter is what a king holds. A king will rise out of the people of Israel, and that king rising will be preceded by a star, and Balaam has seen this from a distance, from a different place in a different time. And so everybody who studied the Old Testament, particularly the Magi, right, and the Jewish people, they would look at this moment and say, this is going to happen, a star is going to announce a king, and so when a star appears, a celestial, a, a celestial light in the sky, divine, when it appears, and it seems to be going against the natural of order of things, they think back to this thought, this is it. This is the star that's announcing the Almighty. This is who Balaam saw being predicted, and we're going to follow this star. That's why they gather their, their entourage. That's why they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's why they travel to Jerusalem, because they were looking for the king of the world. They were looking for the announced Messiah, the fulfiller of prophecy, and they found him. You know what's fascinating about this, this story of the star? And it's just it's something to, to remind ourselves to be encouraged by today. Charles Spurgeon points it out this way. He says this, remember omnipotence has servants everywhere. Remember omnipotence has servants everywhere. What's omnipotence? The all-powerful has servants everywhere. God can use a star to speak to astrologers about the birth of Jesus. The stars serve God. The the trees serve God. The sun serves God. The mountain and the water serves God. The animals, the donkeys of this world serve God. The omnipotence has servants everywhere. And are you and I a part of that team? Are we a part of that, that body? Are we a part of that chorus that serves God Almighty? And no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, if you remember this, God has his servants everywhere, you know that you are in good hands. When I first became a youth pastor back in 2000, there was a young lady in our youth group at that time who was going through some troubles. And because of the trouble that she was going through, I was visiting her in the hospital. I walked walked with her and her family uh, through some difficult seasons. She ended up actually traveling and going to, to different parts of the world 
uh, to get the help that she needed to overcome addiction, to overcome some of her struggles. And we walked with her through that journey. It was the process of, of four, five, six, seven years. Unfortunately, that young lady passed away. She died in her, in her early 20s, battling some of these same hardships. And her mom, in her grief and in her despair, was looking for hope, was looking for light in dark places. And her mom knew that her daughter, who had passed away, loved butterflies. And, and butterflies became a way that God would encourage this grieving mother. Every time there was a particularly hard day, every time there was a particularly hard season, sure enough, a butterfly would show up somewhere in that story. And as I stand here today, I can tell you story after story of moments where this mom would be crying out on the front porch, missing her daughter, just to see a butterfly land on the porch railing next to her. Or she'd be in a crowd of people and she'd be feeling very lonely just to look up and see a butterfly tattoo on the shoulder of the lady walking right in front of her. Or to see someone walking with a balloon that was decorated by butterflies or to even visit the grave and have a butterfly land right on the stone. Coincidence? Or does God have his servants everywhere? Can God in his beauty use a butterfly to encourage a grieving mother? Absolutely. Can God count the hairs on your head and take care of the moments of your day? Can he show up in grand ways and in small ways to help you travel through whatever dark moment that you're going through? He can. And he does. And he will. It's not whether God is present, it's whether or not we notice his presence. And every time this mother sees a butterfly, she thanks God. She worships God. She celebrates a life. She remembers a memory. And God continues to use that in her life. Remember, God in his omnipotence has servants everywhere. As we continue on in the story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. You need to underline and circle the word troubled. Because look what follows directly after. And all of Jerusalem with him. He assembled the chief priests and the scribes, other wise men. Except they were Israelites' wise men. And he inquired of them, where is this Christ who is to be born? And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. So it's written by the prophets. These guys knew the prophecies. These guys knew that a star would announce the king. These guys knew that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, but they weren't looking for him. The Magi were looking for him. The wise men from a foreign land were looking for him. And of course, Herod was troubled. I'm the king, not anybody else. And when Herod's troubled, when the king's troubled, everybody's troubled. Happy wife, happy life. Amen? When the queen is troubled, the whole family's troubled. When the boss is upset, the whole company's upset. Right? When the coach is mad, have you ever gone to practice when the coach was troubled? I mean, you are in for it. It's sprints, it's suicide, it's jumping over the same line a hundred times and doing it another hundred times. And it's, oh, you can't leave practice until you make 
40 free throws in a row. 40 in a row? What's wrong with you today, coach? When the leader's troubled, everybody's troubled. And that's, that's what was happening here. Herod was upset. Herod was mad. And Herod was wicked. Based on the prophecies and based on the timeline, Herod would learn in the, rest of the next couple of verses, you see this, and then in the next chapter, that the Messiah would have been born somewhere in Bethlehem in that region, and he would have been born in the last two years when the Magi show up. So what does Herod do to eliminate the competition? Herod has every Jewish boy born in the last two years murdered. That's wicked. That's trouble. Now this trouble that rolls through all Jerusalem is more than just the king's upset, watch out. No, no, the king's upset, someone's going to die. And it could be your baby that he comes after. Imagine being the soldier that has to carry out these orders. They weren't thrilled to do this. Imagine being the parents that lost their young ones. Imagine being the aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and neighbors. This was horrifying. This was horrific. This was tragic. All because the Magi came and upset Herod. And he went out into this dark world and did horrible things. But listen, this is not the only horrible thing that's going to happen in the world. And it's not the first and it's not the last. We continue to be troubled in this world because we are living in a world that is broken by sin. It's full of pain. It's full of heartache. Watch the news. A school shooting in Michigan just this week where four teenagers are killed and the parents of the gunmen are arrested for aiding and abetting. That's horrible. That's awful. That's, that's a troubled world that we live in. I'm going to be participating first on Thursday and then on Tuesday in two funerals. I participate regularly in funerals. This is a difficult time to have a loved one pass away during the holidays. And for those of you that have gone through this, you understand that this is a hard time to lose someone. And if you've ever lost someone, whether it's during the holidays or whether it's, it's during the year and you come up to those holiday seasons and you come up to those holiday celebrations, you know that it's, for some of you, Thanksgiving is a very hard time of year. For some of you, Christmas is a very difficult moment. I think it was it's 10 or 11 years ago this Christmas that we were together as a family, my wife and I, and we were in Michigan. We, we had time with our entire family and we made the journey back home uh, here to Pennsylvania just the day or two after Christmas just to get woken up by a phone call. Come back quick. Something's wrong with your father-in-law. My father-in-law had had a sudden heart attack, a massive heart attack a few days after Christmas and he's in his early 60s and he passed away in his driveway. That's what we think about at Christmas. We think about our last Christmas together. We think about he's not in his chair every Christmas since. We think about our one daughter who sort of remembers his voice and our son who never met him. And it becomes a hard part for us in the celebration of Christmas. And then over this last two years, we've seen the darkness in this world just seem to be darker I mean, broken worlds have pandemics. We have division, and people have lost loved ones. We've all participated in funerals. 
that have resulted from this season and time. And it's hard, and here we are coming up to a Christmas, and is it going to be the same, or is it going to be different, and how are we going to celebrate, and how are we going to get through it? Listen, here's the truth of this passage. The world is weary. It was, and it is. It's exhausting to live in a broken world. You would have every reason to be tired this Christmas. Every reason to be sad, every reason to be angry, every reason to be divided, every reason. It, it makes perfect sense that you would be depressed or, or discouraged. That, that is logical because we are broken. Our world is broken. Our minds are broken. Our emotions are broken. Our relationships are broken. But the miracle of Christmas is that Jesus sends light into a broken, dark world. The miracle of Christmas is that Jesus brings hope into our hopelessness. Jesus brings joy into our sadness. Jesus brings a future into, our, into the part of our journey where there seems to be no point. He brings purpose into our season. He brings life into death. That's the miracle of Christmas. And this star shone so bright in that moment and that time because it was such a dark night. And if it's feeling particularly dark for you during this moment and during this season, look to the light of Jesus. It will shine brighter than ever before. Yes, we miss our father-in-law, but we now run to Jesus because of his loss. We, we talk to God on behalf of our father. We depend more on our heavenly savior, our heavenly father, because we are missing our earthly father. That's what this journey has caused us to do. And we can see the light of Jesus in a brighter way. Maybe this season, Jesus is just saying, look to, look to the light and it will be brighter than ever before simply because it's the darkest it's ever been. Here's what we need to remember. Remember, it was in the darkness that God said, let there be light. It was in the darkness that God said, let there be light. Listen to this. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and saw that it was what? Good. The good light of God has come into this world. In Psalm chapter 139, if you have your Bibles, let's jump there together. Psalms 139 points us again to this incredible truth of light coming into the darkness. 139 verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light, excuse me, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. And the light about me be night. Even darkness is not dark to you. The night is brighter as the day. For darkness is as light within you. Jesus said in the darkness, let there be light. And he saw that the light was good. Do you need the light of Jesus this Christmas? We all do now more than ever. Jumping ahead to verse chapter 9. And behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. Until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, the light has come. 
Here's this, a spectacular kind of physiological, natural uh, thing that's just a miracle that's taking place. This star was moving in a way that stars don't move, and it came to rest literally over the house where the child was. All right, so the Magi, they've, they've been waiting for this to happen. They've seen the star. They've traveled with their company afar off. They've met evil in person in the, in the work of Herod, and now they've followed the star to that. They've, they're here. They're going to meet the king. It's stopped. It's planted itself. The beam is shining onto the Christ child, and they're in this moment of great anticipation where they're about to celebrate. It, like, you, you just... You, we're here. Guys, we're here. That's what's happening in this verse. So it makes incredible sense that this becomes the most joyful verse in the entire Bible. It's like joy times three. So they're, they're about to go through the door to meet the king of the world, right? They're going to see. And so they rejoiced, number one, exceedingly, number two, with Great joy. Number four, four, three times the joy. Their hearts are beating out of their chest. They're giving high fives. They are so excited to celebrate and finally meet. You thought nine months was a long time to wait to meet your baby. And that, that you're having a what? You're having a, a today? It's happening now? Oh my word, let's get to the doc. And you get there and it's happening and this birth thing and it's traumatic. And, there's, and you're holding the baby and you're on the red dot and you've arrived, right? And you remember that? Remember that joy? Times three. That's how excited they were. That's, that's the emotion they were feeling. And then going into the house, they were extremely happy going into the house they saw the child with its mother, and they fell down and worshipped. It went from a party to a prayer. Extreme celebration to reverent silence. They fell on their faces before the king, and they humbled themselves in worship. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts. Here you go. I'm going to give you some gold, frankincense, myrrh, like half it all. Gifts for a king, extravagant gifts, lavished on this baby who was poor, who was in poverty. This, this, rep, this royal representation had traveled and poured out their gifts on Jesus. And the Bible then says that they returned back to their homes a different way than Herod said and they started spreading the news of what they had seen and what they had, they couldn't keep their mouth shut about it what should our responses be to the light of Jesus I want to say to you today that these four responses are natural responses to knowing Jesus in other words when you meet Jesus you can't help but do these things when you understand, when your heart has been changed, when you see the light in the dark places, here's what's going to happen to you. And these three, these four things all should be a part of our celebration as we kick off this season this year. And they should mark our lives. Four responses to Jesus. Number one, joy-filled celebration. Number two, humble adoration. I'm going to worship him humbly. Number three, extravagant donation. I'm going to radically be generous and give to the person and work of Jesus. And then number four, public proclamation. Who is Jesus? How can I introduce him 
to as many people as possible. Let me just unwrap these four things really quickly. First, when we celebrate Jesus, listen, Christians have the best reason to celebrate. Christians have the best reason to celebrate. We know the king of the world. We've met light. Don't let this year go by without celebrating Jesus. Our Christmas Eve service should be a spectacular celebration of the king of the world. We have more reason to hang the lights. We have more reason to build the gingerbread houses. We have more reason to carol to our neighbors. We have more reason to celebrate with our kids, to give gifts to one another, to hang the biggest tree we can possibly fit in the room. Why? Because we need to celebrate Jesus. Let's do it. Let's go all out and celebrate with friends and with family. And just you, We don't need an excuse to have a party. We've got Jesus. We should be good at it. Have a great time this season. And yes, if it's hard, yes, if it's marked by pain, we still have reason to celebrate, even in our grief and in our sadness. It may look a little bit different, but know the joy of the Lord in those moments. In adoration, you only kneel for the one who has the power. But you only have the power when you kneel. If the king of England would come in, it would be proper for us to bow our heads, right? Show that we're, we're in submission, and that's, that's what these kings, these, these servants of kings did. They fell and they bowed before the one who had the power. But when we bow before the king of the world, that's really when we have the power. And if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you have heartache, bow, bow the knee. Bend the knee. That's where the power comes from. That's where the hope comes from. That's where the peace comes from. That's where the energy comes from. That's where the wisdom comes from. When we bend our knee to the king. When we sing songs of worship, we offer them in a sacrifice of praise. When we adore that king, we rise up to serve him. And then we have this extravagant donation. Charles Spurgeon says this, Brothers, you will never get to the heart of happiness until you become unselfish and generous. It just won't happen. Until you can let go of self, like we talked about last week, deny yourself and take up your cross. And you can then be radically generous with your time, energy, and talents then you will understand what God-designed happiness is. And only then. And when we participate in public proclamation, if God used a star to lead astrologers to Jesus, he can use you too. Some of us think that we could never be used by God to reach a friend, to reach a neighbor. That that, that person is so closed to the things of Christ. I'm not even going to invite them to Christmas Eve. There's so much other stuff going on. I'm far too busy. I, I don't have the right words. I don't have the right spiritual gifts. I don't have the right. No, no. If God can use a star to speak to astrologers, he has designed you specifically to speak to someone else. And there is someone in this world. There are some ones in this world who you can reach that I never will. That you can encourage, that you can connect with. Maybe they're a part of your family. Maybe they're a part of your workplace. Maybe they're a part of your hobby or your career. Maybe that you share some sort of talent or you know how to talk in a, in a particular way. God has designed you to reach someone special with the good news of Jesus Christ and possibly even this Christmas. He can use you too. God's servants are everywhere. Listen, starlight shines brightest on the darkest nights. Let's read this, and then let's respond with some worship together. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3 and 6. This was written over 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. And it says this, Arise, shine, 
for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and they shall bring good news of the praise of the Lord. Let's stand together, and let's come and adore him.
so much Josh for that message. You know, as I was sitting there in my seat listening to what Josh was saying, I was thinking about my time touring Israel, and I'll never forget what one of my tour guides said. He said, look around and you'll see the ruins of King Herod. You'll see all these things that he built, now piles of rocks. But there was another king that was born during the same time. And what's amazing about this king is that his kingdom is right here, right now, and in Africa and in Asia and all over the world, and King Jesus' kingdom is forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you are interested in learning more about the gospel, if some of what Josh said, some of what the worship team sung about interests you guys, please feel free to check out the gospel tab on our website or talk to me, talk to Josh or any of the wonderful people here, and we'd love to talk to you more about what it means to follow King Jesus. 
And then we also want you guys to make sure to fill out those connection cards. That's how we stay connected to you guys. That's how we know what's going on in your lives. We have a team dedicated to praying for those prayer requests that you guys fill out on those cards. Well, it was so awesome to see you guys this morning. We hope to see you again next week. And make sure to bring a friend because you don't want to miss this Christmas season. This is the most important season of the year. Hey guys, thanks again for diving into God's word with us. We hope that it spoke to you in a special way. Don't forget to fill out that connection card before you log off. You can go to branchlife.church to find that, or you can just click the link that was shared in your chat. Hey, if this was a blessing to you, it would be a favor to us if you would pass the word along, share it online, tag a friend, or hit the like or subscribe buttons. All of those things just do a, a lot of good, and we would appreciate that very, very much. We hope that you have a great Christmas season, and anytime you want to connect with us, you can find us right back here. So join us next time as we continue on uh, in God's Word.